American Family Radio is mindful that the freedom we enjoy is a gift with a price tag. Memorial Day is set aside to honor the sacrifices made for our nation, but we also remember He who gave us His all for our souls. Freedom Isn't Free features frequent co-host of today's issues, Ray Pritchard, president of Keep Believing Ministries. Now, here's Ray with Freedom Isn't Free on American Family Radio. A few years ago, a friend gave me a Civil War cavalry saber as a gift. At the time, I didn't know much about its background. After checking the inscription on the sword, I discovered that it is a U.S. M1860 light cavalry saber produced by Mansfield and Lamb in Forestdale, Rhode Island. During the Civil War, the company produced more than 37,000 M1860 sabers, the only model they made. The inscription on the other side reads, U.S. C.E.W. 1863, meaning that it was produced for federal troops and approved by Inspector Charles E. Wilson, and it was made in 1863. This cavalry saber could have been used at Chancellorsville or Gettysburg or any of the later battles. I have no way of knowing for certain who used it or where or when, except to note that the sword itself is very well worn. It seems plenty heavy to me. It would take a strong man to control a horse with one hand while brandishing the sword with the other hand. That sword reminds us that freedom isn't free. There is a price that must be paid. The gospel accounts mention swords mostly in relation to Jesus' arrest in the Garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 47 says that when Judas came to betray Jesus, with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Just a few moments later, in a desperate attempt to save Jesus from being arrested, Peter pulled out his sword and cut off the ear of Malchus, servant of the high priest. One other verse deserves mention. In Matthew 10:34, Jesus said, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. It's hard to imagine Jesus with a sword. We're so used to thinking of Jesus as being meek and mild that we have a hard time with the idea of our Lord wielding a sword. It sounds too violent, too extreme. Frankly, it sounds dangerous. Why would Jesus carry a sword? The answer is simple. He carries a sword so that he can divide humanity. He wants to make clear who is on his side and who isn't. He wants the world to know who is on Team Jesus and who is playing for some other team. It's obvious today some people are wearing the jersey who aren't really on the team, but the time is rapidly approaching when we'll all have to take a stand. This text forces us to think about whether or not we want to be on the Lord's team when the going gets tough. The world has not changed its opinion in 2,000 years. The cross is still repugnant and offensive. In the last few years, news reports have told of employees being threatened with dismissal 
if they wear a cross to work. Such a symbol is offensive to others who see it as some sort of threat that creates a hostile work environment. But that should not surprise us. The cross is always controversial, and there will always be those who are offended when we boldly proclaim the cross of Christ, to which our response should be a sanctified, so what? If people get offended because we preach the cross or talk about the cross or share the good news of the cross, let them be offended. This is not a call for rude or offensive behavior or for unkindness toward those who do not believe as we do, but it is a call for Christians to come out of the closet about our faith. A friend commented that we need to get a little cocky about our faith. I don't know if I would put it that way, but I think my friend has a point. Being quiet and timid in the face of opposition hasn't worked out so well, has it? Never be ashamed of the cross of Christ. Never fear to own his name in public. Never back down when questioned about what you believe. Let's stand up for Jesus and lift high the banner of the cross. We don't need to get angry when others disagree with us. If anyone gets angry, let it be those who do not love our Lord. But let the people of God rally around the cross of Christ and there proclaim the message of salvation. John Calvin puts the matter plainly. We cannot confess Christ without encountering the resistance and hatred of many. Christ therefore warns his followers to prepare for battle, for they must necessarily fight for the testimony of truth. Years ago, I ate breakfast with actor Stephen Baldwin. As we talked about the challenge of living for Christ in an increasingly secular world, Stephen shared how he came to faith soon after 9-11. Let me show you the first verse I learned as a new Christian, he said, pulling up a cross he was wearing on a chain around his neck. Engraved on the back was the last phrase of Matthew 10:34. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Do you want a non-controversial Jesus? You'll have to look somewhere other than the Bible. The gentle Jesus who smiles and makes everyone feel happy bears no resemblance to the mighty Son of God who came to bring a sword of judgment. Does he bring peace? Yes, and the peace he brings will one day cover the entire earth. But that day is not this day. To quote a line from a famous gospel song, this day, the noise of battle, the next, the victor song. Today, we fight. Today, we put on the armor of God and advance against the foe. Today, we pick up our sword and enter the fray. Today, we stand up for Jesus, knowing that not everyone will cheer us when we do. This is no time for sunshine soldiers or lazy boy Christians. It's all hands on deck. Man the battle stations and prepare for war. Do not be surprised when close friends oppose you or family members ridicule you. Jesus said it must be this way. In times like these, Christians ought to be bold and open about our faith. 
Raise the flag of Jesus high above your head and then take your stand under that flag so that those near and far know who you are and whose you are. Open your mouth and say a good word for the Lord. Speak up for the Savior. Let your voice be heard so loudly that no one can doubt whose side you are on. We all know that freedom isn't free, but that truth comes home to us in a deeper way on Memorial Day when we recall there is a price that must be paid. I traveled to Scroon Lake, New York, high in the Adirondack Mountains, where I was speaking at Word of Life Conference Center. On Wednesday afternoon of that week, my wife and I journeyed 40 miles north of Scroon Lake to visit Lake Placid, site of the 1980 Winter Olympics. After eating lunch, we strolled along the main street and did a bit of window shopping. We stood on an observation deck at the end of the 90-meter ski jump and pondered the insanity of anyone who would jump off that ramp. As we were driving to the ski jump, I noticed a sign saying that John Brown's farmhouse was nearby. Another sign mentioned that he was buried near his farmhouse. Since I am intrigued by all things relating to the Civil War, we made an unscheduled stop so we could tour the site. John Brown was a fiery abolitionist who settled in the Lake Placid area, hoping to help escaped slaves start a new life. Later, he traveled to Kansas, where he took up arms to ensure that the Kansas Territory would enter the Union as a free state. He is most remembered for his daring raid on the armory at Harper's Ferry, Virginia, now West Virginia, in October 1859. He and a handful of men, including three of his sons, took over the armory, hoping to incite a general insurrection that would lead to the end of slavery. Eventually, John Brown was taken into custody, tried, and sentenced to death by hanging. During his trial, he defended his actions by referring to the words of Jesus in the New Testament about caring for the least of these. Then he said something like this, If it be thought necessary that my blood should be mingled with the blood of millions of those who suffer because of wicked laws, then let it be so. After he was hanged on December 2nd, his body was buried at his farmhouse near Lake Placid on December 8, 1859. Union soldiers sang about him as they marched to battle. John Brown's body lies a moldering in the grave. His soul is marching on. That song and the tune became the inspiration for a song by Julia Ward Howe that we still sing today. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. John Brown helped light the fuse that led to the war that ultimately freed the slaves. War was probably coming in any case, but he forced the issue into the American consciousness in a way that could not be ignored. To stand before the grave of such a man leads one to reflect that freedom comes 
at a very high price indeed. We have to fight for freedom. This is true in every sense. A man with cancer fights to be made well. A couple in deep debt fights to become financially free. Someone with an addiction to alcohol, drugs, or pornography struggles desperately to be free. Sometimes we must fight to save the things most valuable to us. Of all the freedoms in the world, the most basic and the most precious is spiritual freedom. Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The freedom Jesus gives is freedom from sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame, and freedom from the burdens of a sinful and painful past. To those who trust Him, He gives the freedom to know God, to love Him, and to serve Him with joy. When Jesus sets you free, you can be all you were meant to be. You are free to discover your destiny and to fulfill God's purpose for your life. That brings me to the words of the Apostle Paul in Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The most basic choice is between slavery and freedom. This verse tells us why Christ came to set us free. It also tells us what we must do to maintain our freedom. Stand firm. The crucial point is that freedom comes at the cost of continual vigilance. While reading the biography of G. Campbell Morgan, the great British Bible teacher of an earlier generation, I discovered that as a young man, he had been rejected as a candidate for the Methodist ministry. Although he went on to worldwide fame, he never forgot the sting of that rejection. When he cabled his father with the bad news, his father wired back this terse message, rejected on earth, accepted in heaven. So it is for all of us. No one passes through life without feeling the pain of rejection by others. Standing firm in our freedom enables us to learn from our defeats while not being defeated by them. For those who know Jesus, the best is yet to come. It won't be long now, just a little while, and the Lord himself will return and our struggles will be over. This hot battle won't last forever. This long road will soon come to an end. And this world, so full of dangers, toils, and snares, won't last much longer. Hold on to your faith, child of God. Keep believing. Stay strong. Put on the whole armor of God. Hold on to your faith and never give up. There's a finish line out there somewhere, and it's closer than any of us realize. May God give us a generation of Christians who will stand up and be counted for Christ. May we be found faithful when Jesus comes again. Earlier, I mentioned the sword I own that was forged in the 1860s. While it reminds us of the spiritual battles we all face, it also stands for the reality of war in our fallen world. Sometimes the noise of battle means leaving your home and your friends and wading ashore on Omaha Beach. Billy Graham said, There come times when we have to fight for peace 
Unfortunately, that's been true of the whole history of the human race. Recently, I've been reading a book about the life of Sir Winston Churchill, Prime Minister of Great Britain during the dark days of World War II. On June 4, 1940, he addressed Parliament shortly after the fall of France and the evacuation of British and French forces at Dunkirk. The Nazis seemed unstoppable and the eventual destruction of England seemed inevitable. Hitler so far was undefeated as his armies rolled across Europe. In that dire moment, when it seemed as if all hope was gone, Churchill announced his plan to the British people. He said, We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island. Whatever the cost may be, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. On Memorial Day, we pause to remember those who have made the ultimate sacrifice in the defense of our country. We thank God for the men and women who paid the price years ago that we might be free. As the song says, O beautiful, for heroes proved in liberating strife, who more than self their country loved and mercy more than life. Our heroes paid the price at the Delaware, at Fort McHenry, at Shiloh and Gettysburg, at Normandy and Iwo Jima, at Inchon, in the jungles of Vietnam and in Iraq and Afghanistan. God bless them all. May they all rest in peace today. All of this is worth pondering on this Memorial Day. We do a good thing when we pause to honor those who made the supreme sacrifice. It is good for us to think about the men and women who served, suffered, and sacrificed on our behalf. Several years ago, my wife and I flew through Atlanta on our way home. When we boarded our flight, I noticed an unusual number of Army soldiers in military fatigues. As we neared Atlanta, the pilot came on the intercom and asked us to remain in our seats when we landed because the plane was carrying the remains of a soldier killed in combat in the Middle East. The soldiers were on board to bring their fallen comrade back home. We sat silently, tears welling up from every heart as the soldiers performed their solemn duty. When we got into the terminal, we saw the truck pull up next to the cargo hold. These words were emblazoned on its side. All gave some, some gave all. The soldier stood at attention as the coffin draped with the American flag slowly rolled down the conveyor belt from the belly of the plane. With great dignity, the soldiers gently lifted the coffin into the truck that would transport it to its final resting place. I thought to myself, as I watched it all, it is good for us to see this, good to remember that war is real, 
that death is always at hand and that some of our finest young people have made the ultimate sacrifice. Here was someone's brother, son, friend. Somewhere there is a broken-hearted family with an empty spot at the table. These are the closing words of the Declaration of Independence. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the Supreme Judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, and for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, in our sacred honor. In a few weeks, our nation celebrates 244 years of freedom, making the United States of America the longest-lasting democracy in history. Our existence as a nation goes back to that fateful day in July 1776 when 56 brave patriots signed the Declaration of Independence. I find it striking that twice in the closing sentences the Declaration appeals to God, referring to Him as Supreme Judge and Divine Providence. Those brave patriots understood that freedom is never free. There is a price that must be paid. This nation was founded by men willing to pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And the continuing price for freedom is eternal vigilance. What is purchased with blood can be quickly lost through careless disinterest. I began by talking about a cavalry saber from the 1860s. The Bible says that those who fight for the right do not bear the sword in vain. War is awful and to be avoided if possible. But Billy Graham was right. Sometimes you have to fight for peace because freedom isn't free. There is a price that must be paid. Christians can face the future with optimism. The world looks at all the problems and says, is there any hope? For those who know Jesus Christ, there is enormous hope. These are great days to be alive, the greatest days in all human history. There's never been a better time to be a Christian. There's never been a better time to tell someone else, we are fighting a battle we cannot lose. The Lord is looking for some soldiers who will serve in his army. We were made for times like these. On this Memorial Day weekend, we remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice in the service of our country. And we thank God for all those who have served this country. May God protect the men and women who serve in our armed forces. I hope you have a wonderful time of celebration with family and friends. Enjoy the holiday, but remember those who died that we might be free. May their memory stay fresh in our hearts, and may God bless America now and forever. You've been listening to the American Family Radio special, Freedom Isn't Free, with Ray Pritchard, president of Keep Believing Ministries. Connect with Ray at keepbelieving.com. 
Revisit this message there and at AFR.net. Freedom Isn't Free is an American Family Radio special presentation.